Do you consider yourself a good communicator in your relationships? Or are there often miscommunications based on a lack of clarity as to intention? Welcome to The Transformative Duff. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on page 55 of Tractate Subas, and we learn that to communicate doesn't just mean to talk to another person, it means to come and figure out the unique message being conveyed. Welcome to The Transformative Duff, and thank you for being my Chavrissa today. I like to begin with a story. Our patriarch Yaakov is in a bit of a bind. His father, Yitzchak, has chosen to bless his older brother, Esau. Meanwhile, his mother has insisted that he sneak in and beat his brother to the mark. Now he's standing before his father, who asks him the $64,000 question, Who are you? Thinking quickly on his feet, he replies, It is me, Esau, your firstborn. Our sages explained that while it would have sounded to his father like, I'm Esau, your firstborn, his intended meaning was, it is me, Esav's your firstborn. It gets a little lost in translation because we have to add in the apostrophe S, but in Hebrew there's no word for is in the present tense. And so with the right pause and intonation, Yaakov was able to avoid an outright lie while not giving away his disguise. Let's look at today's Gemara. Says the Mishnah, Although they said that a virgin is entitled to a ketubah of 200 and a widow 100, if the husband wished to add even an additional 10,000, he may add it. If she is then widowed or divorced, whether from betrothal or from marriage, she collects the entire amount. Rabbi Lazim and Azari says if she is widowed or divorced following their marriage, she collects the total amount. But if it happens following betrothal, a virgin collects only the basic 200 and a widow 100 because he only wrote in the addition in order to entice her to complete the marriage. Says the Gemara, it was stated, Rav and Rabbi Nassim differed. One said the halacha accords with Rabbi Lazim and Azariah, and one said the halacha does not accord with Rabbi Lazim and Azariah. It may be concluded that Rabbi Nassim is the one who said that the halacha accords with Rabbi Lazim and Azariah, as we have heard that Rabbi Nassim follows assumed intent, umdana. Says Rashi, when someone does not give clear instructions, the court makes an assessment and decides what a reasonable person would have intended. In this case, a person ordinarily would not sign away his money for free, but only for the love and expectation of marital relations. Let's analyze the Gemara. This Gemara is one of the halakhic sources for the legal principle of assumed intent, umdana. The Ein Mishpat points to the Rambam who writes, We always assess the intention of the donor. If these circumstances demonstrate his ultimate intent, we act according to the assessment, even though he was not clear in his verbal or written instructions. For example, a man's son traveled abroad and they heard that the son died. So he deeded his estate to another person as a complete gift. But then the son returned home. In such a case, the gift is invalid because the circumstances make it evident that had he known that his son was alive, he would not have given away his entire estate. Basically, the principle of assumed intent dictates that we don't always take what someone says at face value. We probe a little deeper and take into account what the person meant to say. This principle is of paramount importance, not just in the legal setting, but in every one of our human relationships. Miscommunications often arise not from what was said, but from what wasn't said and was assumed or could reasonably have been assumed. Let's demonstrate this concept with a couple of examples that might come across as a tad anachronistic, for which I apologize in advance. Number one, every night after dinner, Moshe washes the dishes and then throws himself onto the couch to watch football. 
After a while, his lack of spiritual drive begins to bother his wife Hannah and she says to him, Why don't you ever go to a shear or a Torah class at night? He replies, Look, honey, after a hard day's work and then cleaning up in the kitchen, I'm just exhausted. I need to chill. To which she responds, You know, honey, I really appreciate your help, but it's much more important to me that you're davening with a minion and learning Torah every day. You can leave the household chores to me. Gleefully, he agrees. Sure enough, before she knows it, Moshe's at Shear every day, and she's feeling that everything is falling on her. Hannah wonders why he no longer mows the lawn or shovels the snow. One day she cries out in exasperation, What happened to you? You don't do anything around here anymore. And he replies, But honey, you told me to leave the household chores to you. Scenario number two. Rifki has noticed that Yitz hasn't looked his cheerful self lately. She asks him, Everything all right? He responds, Yes, I'm fine. Every now and then she checks with him because he really doesn't look right. And each time she receives the same response. I'm fine. One day all the pent-up frustration suddenly boils over and she realizes that he'd been truly unhappy for quite some time. He was never really fine at all. What happened in each of these cliché stories? Certainly Hannah told Moshe to leave the chores to her, but that's not what she meant. She didn't really intend that she was henceforth taking on all the household duties. But instead of assessing her intent, he took what she said at face value. Likewise, Yitz might have told Rifki that he was fine, but what a person says is one thing. If you truly love someone, you'll think about what they really mean and how they really feel. That's the meaning of the principle of umdana, intent. It's not enough to take people at face value based on what they say. Relationships are about asking yourself to assess and ascertain how people really feel. The easiest way to avoid misunderstandings is to strive to state matters as clearly and unambiguously as possible. While our patriarch Yaakov found himself in a sticky situation that had very little choice in the matter, does it really matter that in his own mind he didn't lie? At the end of the day, what counts is what his father understood. In relationships, we shouldn't expect the other person to start reading a Rashi and a Tosafist into our words. We should endeavor to state our needs and wants clearly. And so when it comes to applying the halachic principle of umdana, assumed intent, to our own personal relationships, we need to think about it from both perspectives. If your spouse says something, ask yourself what they really mean, and that should be your goal. And if you're not sure, then ask for clarification. Likewise, from your side, try to be as clear as possible about your intentions so that you leave little doubt and need for assessment. May you forever communicate wisely and effectively with your spouse, children, parents, siblings, friends, colleagues, and beyond, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvat Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe to achieving a life of simcha and purpose. Transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf.
Oh, 